don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm going to hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Because when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. He does have a tricky oh, body. He does. Okay. He doesn't look like, okay, look at if, if that guy's walking down the street, you have no idea who he is. I don't know if you're saying, yeah, he's the best quarterback in the world. This is the press box. So we, our mean, tricky body list is James Harden and Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. now Patrick Mahomes runs kind of funny. With Graney and Bischoff. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Travell Beck. Turbo Beck's body is not tricky. We know exactly what Turbo Beck's body is. It is not tricky in any way. Not at all. That is a complete lie. Stop trying to put Turbo Beck in that category. On ESPN Las Vegas. Woo-goo! Here we are on a Monday. Woo-goo! It's a big day. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Woo-goo, Jared. Let's go. The first bite. <laughs> it's Jonathan Marsh's <laughs> Is is Jonathan Marshall the best player in this series? Oh man, the last two games could be a lot. Marchy. Could be a lot of options. I can't go Marchy. Marchy, Marchy, do. Uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he's scoring like crazy. Patrick last night. Patcheretti actually has two game winners. That's actually pretty good. And we know what wait, the first. Wait, wait, wait. Do we care about game winners yes. when the score is yes. five to one? Yes, we That's do. That's the most ridiculous. No, it's stat not. No, it's not. It's of a great all stat. All the dumb things they do oh, is you win a game you. five to one, and a guy yeah. gets a game-winning yes. goal yes. because he scored the second. You're darn one. right. Because then <laughs> Patrick was on that line that completely eliminated the best line in hockey. <laughs> I guess, my, you know, I mean, if Marsha shows not the best player, then. He's close because he keeps scoring. So who's the best player if it's not him? Right now, Jonathan Marchessault's performance is what the Golden Knights have been needing for two straight postseasons. Uh, they have had massive scoring droughts as a team. And they, like the Golden Knights, the way their roster's constructed, like the bad part of it is they don't really have like a true elite goal scorer on this team. Pacioretty's close, but Max Pacioretty's not like, hey, he's going to go get you 50 or 60 in an 82 game season. But the good part of the roster is they've got five, six, seven, eight guys that would sort of be in that sort of second tier or third tier of goal scores that they're, they're good. They're just not top of the league. And that's, you know, Jonathan Marshall, Max Pacioretty, Mark stone, even the defensemen like Theodore and Petrangelo that can't score. Now, Alex Tuck, William Carlson and Riley Smith are all in that category of like good scores. But over the last two postseasons, they've had pretty much all of their good goal scores go into these, massive droughts and not be able to score. Even Marshall was one of them. His So before game three, Jonathan Marshall's last 29 playoff games, he had scored four goals. In the last two games, he scored four goals. So what Marshall's doing is exactly what they've needed for two postseasons. It's for him, it's for somebody to score, really anybody on this team to score. And Jonathan Marshall is now doing it. And it's not really been... Any sort of fluke, the last two games when Jonathan Marshall's on the ice, the high danger chances are 14 to 1 in favor of the Golden Knights. Like, they are completely dominating when Jonathan Marshall is on the ice. Now, is he going to keep that up? Probably not. Like, that's insanely good numbers. But through the last two games, Jonathan Marshall has been exactly what this team has been looking for for two straight postseasons, and that is somebody 
to finally score. All these damn shots and chances they get over the last two years, somebody to finally score, and Marshall's done it the last two games. Yeah. To your point, so Pacioretty led them in the regular season with 24, and one, two, three, so five players had 30 in the league this year. So you're right. They don't have the guy. They don't, I mean, obviously they don't have guys like McKinnon and David and McDavid and people like that. But uh, if they get this to Marshall, now Marshall will continue this if, in fact, there are more goals where the other goalie thinks it actually went in and, like, they just stop playing. Like, if I, I mean, if 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 Gubrauer just stops playing because he thinks the goal went in, I think he's got a chance at another hat trick. He's been really, really good. Um, that line's been good at it. was funny, Jared Bednar last night, the Colorado coach. I thought it was interesting, and he's been let's say, for lack of a better term, frustrated the last two games for good reason. But he said in his post game we were listening to, and he's like, look, he goes, we keep hearing about what Stone and Patretti and Stevenson are doing to our top line. He goes, that second line's just giving us as many problems. He goes, he goes, not only is Marshall scoring on the Carlson line, he goes, but they're doing the same thing at the other end to us. So he goes, that's the problem here. He goes, everyone keeps talking about that first line, what they're doing. He goes, the second line's playing just as well. He goes, that's an issue. Yeah. Has the series started? No, it has not no, started. It is home, not. No, it No one's lost at all. Just, just taking the pulse. No. Just the series no. hasn't started. We're still no. waiting for a good game to start this series with the home team losing. But it's it, so the fascinating part is what the Golden Knights have done to stop Nathan McKinnon and that top line. Yeah, because game one, it looked like Nathan McKinnon was going to score 15 goals in a four-game sweep. Even in game two, when the Golden Knights played better, there were still a handful of moments where that line was really good. Well, Renton had the game winner, right? On the power play. And then game three and game four, they have completely shut them down. And so what's fascinating is the Colorado Avalanche may be the best team in hockey at skating the puck into the offensive zone, right? A lot of teams like to dump it in. A lot of teams like to try to just chip it in and try to go get the puck. The Golden Knights have done a lot of that. But the Colorado Avalanche, and specifically that top line, are probably better than anybody else in the sport at skating the puck into the offensive zone. And the difference is if, you, if you're able to skate the puck in versus just dump it in and try to go get it behind the net, you score more goals on often, right? That's the most dangerous way to enter the zone. That creates the most chances and the most goals. So you want to be able to skate the puck into the zone. You don't want to have to dump it in. And... The Golden Knights have completely eliminated Colorado from skating it in. They can't go in the neutral zone. Even when they do skate it into the offensive zone, they lose the puck within two seconds. Like They do not skate it in and have any sort of dangerous chance or any sort of zone time. Like If they do get it in, they immediately lose it, and that's, you know, what? I don't know what the extra number is, but it feels like it's about 20% of the time the Avalanche try to skate it in that they actually skate it in. That's where this has been an unbelievable turnaround. And honestly, like... We knew the Golden Knights were a good defensive team. They're they're a good team, but to be that good against the best team in hockey doing what they thought they were the best at hockey at is what's unbelievable in this series. They've locked down the neutral zone and made everything come from the sides, and like you said, they're they're playing so well defensively and locking them up. And, and, you know, I think DeBoer said it last night, too. I mean, all four lines, I mean, everyone's, you know, like he said, jumping over the boards and working. They're completely outworking Colorado. I don't know if it's a sense that... Colorado wants to obviously Colorado doesn't want to get outworked that way, but they are frustrated right now. Again, though, 20 0 and one in their last 21 at home. We'll see. I mean, it, it can it can change fast, but if I'm Colorado, this might sound very simple. 
I'd get the lead tomorrow night. Like if because eventually you're going to start thinking about it. Eventually, it's going to get in your heads that you even the top line cannot create any any sort of danger chances, high danger chances. So now I was at game one and two at Colorado. Be there uh, tomorrow night. Um, it's not T-Mobile Arena. I get that. I think they're at ten thousand fans. I have not paid a close enough attention to where if, if Colorado can increase its fan percentage tomorrow night. It's not T-Mobile Arena, a few places are, but it is loud when they score. I mean, you, they do have some kind of push when they score. So if they can go up 1-0, for them, that might be kind of the emphasis that they need to go forward. If they go down 1-0, that's going to be really interesting because at some point, I don't care what anyone says about, oh, it's 2 out of 3 and they get 2 at home. It's getting in their heads. If they go down tomorrow night and the same push from the Golden Knights are happening, at some point they're going to start forcing things. So tomorrow night is going to be huge to me as to who scores first because they do – look, they're 20-0-1. They're really good at home their last 21 games. But if the Golden Knights can somehow just get a 1-0 lead, it's just going to be interesting to watch Colorado because they're going to start pressing. What did you think last night – we heard this from both Mark Stone and Pete DeBoer – that coming into this series and through game one – they gave the Colorado Avalanche too yeah. much respect. Was the both of them used the exact same phrase that they respected the Colorado Avalanche too much? Didn't they punch a guy while he was <laughs> on his back? <laughs> yeah, uh, that that first game was just such a blowout, um, and I'm sure they just got hit in the mouth that game and said, "Whoa, you know." And now all they had heard about people saying, "You know how good Colorado is." I'll tell you this. I'll say this. I don't know. If they, you know, gave them too much respect or whatever, but DeBoer to me has done a great job in instilling in them, and we heard it from Marsha so last night. We hear it from Patch Ready the night before, the two days before. They are playing this underdog roll up as oh. well as you can. They don't believe that Colorado's that much better. They don't believe that we're playing the best team in hockey because they believe they're the best team in hockey. They, they now look. I mean, it's they might believe the McKinnon line is the best, either that or the Boston line with. Um, with Marshan, you know, that they probably are the two best lines. But at the end of the day, Marsha so said it. Patch ready two nights later, you know, we're playing the best team. DeBoer. Now, DeBoer likes the whole, you know, people were jumping off the raft or whatever that was. Um, but they're doing a really good job trying to sell the narrative that, like, huh, I don't know how we're even in this 2-2. Two, two. No one believed in them, Ed. He did. I know. Well, after two, I don't know who did. People did in the regular season, too. Do you remember? They Remember they played the Avalanche four games in a row early in the season? I remember that, yeah. And... The Golden Knights won the first game, but everybody walked away thinking they were pretty fortunate to win that one. Right. And then Colorado won the next two, and the Golden Knights came back and won the fourth of those to split it. And Pete DeBoer, after that fourth one, said, you know, whatever it was, thanks for believing in us. A lot of people didn't yeah, believe in us Yeah, remember that? He, he yeah. pulled that line then. And so to he, the believers, because I got that audio yeah, if you want it. Yes, please play that. You know, for the believers out there, thanks for sticking with us. I know, you know, there were some doubters out there after the last game, but but uh, I knew our group would would respond with a real good effort, and uh, we did that tonight. That was less than twenty games into the season. He was playing this card when they. I played mean, the you Colorado play it. Avalanche. I mean, I, good for them. I I play anything I can to win the series. I mean, but they don't for a second believe that Colorado's. I think probably don't believe Colorado's better, and nor should they. By the way, they tied at 82 points. Bednar said it the other day. He goes, look, he goes, 
we tied with this team at 82 points. We weren't just going to roll in and roll over these guys. It's like we tied for first. And the only reason they got the president's trophy is because DeBoer had to go with six skaters one night because of the because of the salary cap. <laughs> Woo-goo on that. It's just, I mean, at the end of the day, they're very two evenly matched teams. The Golden Knights going to have to prove they can win in that building because if they don't win in that building, they're getting eliminated. But I do think DeBoer's done a great job behind the scenes telling them, hey, this is the narrative. We're playing the best team. We're playing the best line. We're fortunate to be in it, all of that. And I have no problem with it. Play up what you have to play up to get in people's minds, which you, you know, that's what you don't, uh, that's what you don't think. But DeBoer's a little like the players are doing a great job, son. Pete's a little, he likes to get the digs in about jumping off the raft. Yes. Like he likes yes. getting that yeah. out there. Like nobody respects. Look, dude, <laughs> you're like one of the top two favorites to win the cup. Like for the last three years, I, I, no, everyone knows you're good. The players are very subtle about it. Yes. Like they'll like Jonathan yes. Marshall last night oh, dropped in team. a best, best line in hockey. Yeah, best line, best like, team. Yeah, they'll drop it in. Pete DeBoer is like nobody believes in us. <laughs> damn it, <laughs> jumping off the raft. This whole city's yeah, ready to jump. There's no from the water in. De- there's no water in the desert. What raft is this guy riding? I mean, where, where's he? Where's he riding? Is there still is there still water at Lake Mead? What were they like to win the Stanley Cup at the beginning of oh, the season? They were favorites, I thought. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, they yeah. were at least either top them or three. Colorado yeah. was a favorite. Now, to be fair to Pete DeBoer, when they went down 2 0, they had a 10% chance to win this series. Right. So. But that wasn't because that that's the other thing. Like I'd want to say when he says, Well, nobody believed in us. Well, if you watch the first game and you're down two, who the hell would believe in you? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like like you'd believe in yourself. I don't you think know, he did. Well, your players maybe would believe in yourself. Crazy fans, there are a few of those out there, might have believed it, but you always want to say, Pete, you know the city you live in. We kind of go with, and I think it's smart because these people actually know what they're doing most of the time. That's why this city survives. When you're those kind of underdogs, it's kind of hard to believe. Those people know what they're doing when they set lines. They understand, yeah. you know, at that point what the what the percentages are. Now, you'll have them. I'm sure it's much, like you said. It, it's much closer now. I'm sure. I don't know. If it's, I think they're at 45 percent. Okay, 55, to win 45, and probably only because Colorado gets two of three at home. That's yeah. probably the only reason why. They're just they're really good. It's a good series. I I actually can't wait till tomorrow night to be there because this will be very interesting to see if they can continue this. I don't think I just don't think they can continue kind of the domination at one end on the road, but they're certainly good enough to win there. I mean, a lot of people on Twitter the last 24 hours saying, look, this should be 3-1. You know, those last two periods in Colorado in game two, they dominated them. Grubauer kind of stood on his head a little. He was really good, and Colorado got the, the uh, you know, the Rantanen goal to win it. But, uh, yeah, I I just, they're they're very good team, and they are playing this up on the underdog role to, to, a, to a good level for them. I just want to jog your memory with one stat because I'm looking at some of the regular season games here. That four-game series against Colorado, time of game, official time of game on all those, two hours and 23 minutes, two hours and 18 minutes, two hours and 23 minutes, 10 hours and 35 minutes in the Lake Tahoe game. Oh, Lake Tahoe's there, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's the I, think Heidi, I think Heidi Fang and I were in sleeping bags in the media room <laughs> at the Lake Tahoe game waiting for it to start again. All right, coming up next... We'll jump into the Oakland A's because Dave Cabo, their president, met with Major League Baseball about all the things he saw in Vegas. Would you consider moving the team to Las Vegas if there was zero public dollars on the table? You know, I think right now we're still in an early fact-finding stage. We're trying to determine the, the depth and breadth of the market. We're trying to determine where the stadium could even go. You know, I think we looked at probably 15 different locations, you know, on and off the strip in Henderson, Summerlin, 
you know, the mayor did a great job hosting us. We looked at Cashman Field, where obviously there was a baseball team at one point. So we're looking at all these different options to understand what makes the most sense. And as that gets flushed out, as we learn more, I think that'll drive more conversations about what a public-private partnership would look like. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Dave Cavill is the president of the Oakland A's. He spent a week out here in Las Vegas uh, meeting people, going to Golden Knights games, angering Oakland A's fans all in the process. But he had a meeting after coming here with Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And in the least surprising news, that meeting was determined to be a positive meeting for the Oakland A's future (laughs) because the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball want it to be positive. They want people to think that they could move to Las Vegas. Uh, But what I thought was interesting song to come back then from the review journal story on this was that none of the sites, none of the locations had been eliminated yet by major league baseball. And so we're talking about Henderson. We're talking about the resort corridor near the strip somewhere. We're also talking about Cashman in there as well. So let's jump forward and let's assume that this is real, that the Oakland A's aren't just using Las Vegas for leverage and that the Oakland A's do actually end up moving. Where should they want to put their stadium? Well, I think they want to do the resort corridor, but I never not make Henderson the leader in the clubhouse because they'll just (laughs) give everything. So, I mean, if you're looking for somewhere that really wants to be in on this, I would think Henderson. I think if they had their choice to be the resort corridor, there a lot goes into that. Um, Specifically, we still don't know what they're going to officially ask for. I thought it was interesting. I think... Let me ask you this, because after they came here, maybe before they went to New York, Libby Schaff, uh, we saw that memo she sent to the county, essentially for the first time that I can remember her saying, hey, we need to work with them now. We need to, I mean, we can't lose these guys as well, so let's sit down and let's figure out how we can, I guess, come up with the $800 million or whatever, you know, the the A's are asking for. Um, if, If Libby Schaff can get that done, do you still believe, what's your percentage that you still believe that the A's really want to stay? And, and, or if Libby Schaaf kind of pushes them and says, okay, we'll give you the money, now what do you want to do? If Oakland, if the A's get $850 million. Whatever they're asking for, but, you they're know. To, to, yeah, uh, they're, yeah, they're not leaving. If they if they get the $855 million from Oakland for infrastructure cost to build their $12 billion yeah. complex, they're staying. I mean, that, that's that's the number one option. Now, even though we had Dave Cavill on and you, you asked him, do you want to stay in Oakland? And he didn't really say yes to that question. That and at still that point, is, we weren't surprised he didn't. Yeah, but that still has got to be their number one option. Like, they have an entire ballpark planned, and they, it's, it's more than just a ballpark. Like, I'm sure their owner thinks that they're going to make quite a bit of money outside of the baseball team because it's a $13 billion development. So if they get the $855 million from Oakland, they're not coming here. Like they're I not, agree with you. Yeah, they're I agree with you. I unless unless Henderson says here's two billion, but well, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. No, I mean and the other thing is it's not uh, like you said. This is no shock that they went to the owners' meeting and everyone loves Vegas and it's a positive thing because at the end of the day, what does Major League Baseball want? They want a new stadium. They want a new ballpark. Obviously, revenue streams and everything. The other owners. You think the other owners want to stay in the Coliseum? No, they're like, hey, you got to get something done for all of us. So 
I'm sure the owners at least came out from that meeting saying, hey, everyone everyone promote this, and we got to be positive here and maybe push Oakland. So nothing, nothing to this point I think has surprised either of us. One, it's a complete leverage play. They came here, and they probably got good feedback, and they probably started thinking, okay, we could definitely make it work here, and you know, they haven't just said what they want in public money. And then let's go to the owners' meetings and tell them everything's you know great in Vegas, and the owners and Major League Baseball will agree, and nothing's changed. It's whatever Oakland's willing to do. It's what this is the beginning. It's what's happened from the very beginning. What is Oakland willing to do? And if they're not willing to come up with the money, and and Dave Cavill and his people come back for a second time, then it's probably a little real. We still haven't heard what he wants, but then it's right. You know, I was told that someone who was in those meetings, uh, very high up. It'll be real if he comes back. Like the first time's leverage. Now, if he comes back because they don't give him money, then they're like, all right, now you have to start thinking of if this is real or not. So July twentieth, there's a vote. Um... And it's not. It's just. It's not the vote that would actually give them eight hundred fifty-five million dollars. It's just no, but it'll they, give you a sense on where they are. Yeah, it's just sort of like a preliminary step to the A's right. potentially getting some public money. That's July twentieth. So we're sitting here on June seventh. So we've got about a month and a half before that vote. It'd be highly unlikely anything else happens in Vegas before that July twentieth. Yeah, vote. no. If that doesn't go, then I in can the see favor them of the Oakland A's back. then coming back. He probably does come back. Yeah, because. Based on what he said to us and based on what he's been tweeting, by the way, uh, it seems as though they're pretty much putting everything on July 20th. And if they don't get if they if they don't get the sense that they're getting the money, then they're going to basically say we're done with Oakland. And where do we go from here? They're going to say that at least. Now, this will see how much juice Libby Chef has. So July 20th is the date for that. Um, I still got to lean on the side that I doubt Oakland gives them the money. I mean, based on everything we've seen over the last five to ten years. Why would Oakland change now and give the A's no. the money? Because they're horrified to lose the A's? That's why her memo was such a big deal, I think, because this is the first time. I mean, we covered the Raiders situation there. I never for a second Basically saw her gave sending, him a middle finger. I never see yeah, that was her memo. That was their memo to the Raiders. Um, so, you know, this is why I thought, you know, it was newsworthy and it should have been made a big deal of here and in Oakland that she wrote a really large memo to the county saying, we need to do this. So that's the first time I've ever seen her say anything about public money in terms of promoting it. Um, now, whether the county cares what she thinks and follows through, that's completely up to them. But, yeah, I, I again, if he comes back a second time, I think you have to come back a second time and be a little more transparent about what the heck you want. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, you're going to come back a second time and say, we still like Vegas? No. What do you want in terms of public support? What do you most, want? Most of the direct questions we asked him, he didn't answer. He came on Which, the show. We kind of assumed that yeah. the first time. He's not going to answer that. If, at that if July 20th comes and they don't get their the, money, the vote they want in Oakland, and he comes back a second time. You have to say what you want. You don't have to have an exact number no, of, but, hey, but we need $750 million or whatever it is. But you like, there's got to be more of a plan than just it's early. We got to figure out. We got to meet with people. Like, yeah, there's got to be a little bit more of an actual plan because as we talked about with him, their lease is up in 2023, or is it 2024 in Oakland? It's 2021 right now. It's going to take multiple years, oh, to build two, it. maybe three years to build yeah. a brand new ballpark. Like they've got to start very soon if they're going to move in any city they're going to. They got to start very soon at building it. The one good thing I'll say about Las Vegas: we are great at building oh, new yeah. stadiums, <laughs> even during and pandemics, fa- and fast too. Yeah. Now, right. with no problems whatsoever. If he comes back on July 20th, I'm trying to figure out the dates here. Would uh, would the Knights Stanley Cup clinching game against Boston be done by then? 
Unfortunately, it would. It would be? He wouldn't he, get to he go can, to the Vax. He can still play golf again, but I don't know if he'd be able to go to a Knights game. Maybe an no, Aces game. Maybe, maybe Mark, da- be, maybe Mark Davis has him at courtside. And he's, tw- he's tweeting from there. What a, what a game. What an atmosphere. Yeah, it'd be great. All right. Coming up <laughs> yes, next. Mark Davis. Yeah, I imagine Mark Davis. I want someone from the A's sitting next to me. <laughs> Justin Emerson joins the show. Next question this morning comes from Justin Emerson, the Las Vegas Sun. Hey, Mark, you guys have, have played pretty well over the last two games, came out with a win in one of them. So I guess how much of the game plan for game four is kind of stay the course and do what you've been doing, and how much of that is 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 knowing that uh, that you guys do need uh, – I don't know, sorry. I guess that how much um, that you – wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is the author of that wonderful question, Justin Emerson from the Las Vegas Sun. Justin, what were you trying to do there? Well, sometimes uh, when I come on this show, this silly show in the morning, I'm like, what have I said recently in a press conference that's going to get Bischoff to make fun of me? And sometimes you just know. Even your producer, Jared, he called me. He's like, yeah, you're about 20 seconds from being on the air, and you're probably going to recognize the intro. I'm like, yeah, I know. um do you want to give that question a second chance like pretend we're mark stone and and see if you can get through it that this time you know i don't think so just in case i can't um (laughs) i i wouldn't want to embarrass myself twice but uh i don't know like they they played well but they wanted to probably push a little bit more they knew the avalanche were going to push again like how much of the game plan is uh staying the course and how much is up in the intensity a little bit extra and you know what? I'm glad you asked that because I've been thinking, I've been redoing that question in my head for about 24 hours now. So I'm glad I got a chance to do that. I I only wish you had done that after a loss in the playoffs oh, rather boy. than like pregame media availability. Oh boy. Yeah. Thank goodness it was a morning skate and they just asked Stone about his selfie nomination. So he was kind of in a good mood and. Thank goodness it was him who's like, oh, wow, this is awkward for the both of us. I'm just going to save this poor guy and answer the question that I know he's trying to get out. So. What's more important tomorrow night when we're in Denver? One, that the Golden Knights can get a lead in that building and really make the Avalanche start thinking about it and get frustrated. Or that they still have those steak bits at, at the uh, uh, restaurant right there on campus at Brooklyn that we, you and I are going to get. Man, that was pretty good, huh? Yeah. Uh, Ed and I, Ed and I went to went to this restaurant right next to the arena, and like, Beautiful. I see like steak steak bits on the menu. I'm yeah, like, oh, what good. are these? So I order them, and they're like little tiny bits of steak. They're like, they're that's, good. that's exactly what they are. They were delicious. Can't I would think the Golden Knights think their lead's yeah. a little more important than our dinner, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, one of those things in fact affects me much more directly. So <laughs> I, I'd say the dinner probably, but. Uh, <laughs> To answer the real question, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think that Golden Knights get a lead early. Um, the Avalanche are, are, I think, they've got to be doubting themselves a little bit right now. I mean, they haven't played well since game one, so for three straight games. And granted, they won one of those games in overtime. They were about six minutes away from stealing a 3 nothing lead uh, in game three. And and yet now it's all it's all tied up. They're going back. Vegas has, has been much better, and now... Now the Avalanche are the one on their heels a little bit. So, yeah, the entire dynamic of the series has, has changed since the last time we were, uh, we were having to take this in Denver there. Right? Uh, important question, Justin. How many times did you get in a vehicle in Denver that Ed Graney was driving? A couple. Um, Ed's nice enough to kind of shuttle me around a little bit. I appreciated that. But 
I mean, you probably saw the pictures on, on Twitter. Like, the electric scooters is where it's at in Denver. Like, the downtown is super walkable, super scootable. So I was, I, I you know, it's like, I think it's like a dollar to activate it and then like 29 cents a minute or whatever. So I was zooming around for half an hour for like 11 bucks. He, I think he was 50-50, though, because we all, Ben and Justin and I headed out to the airport to leave. It's about a that's a 35-minute drive. Denver's airport's way out there. He might have paused and thought, car or scooter for the 35-minute <laughs> drive? But he took car. But I do think well, he you, thought about it for a second. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You drove me to Morning Skate the first day, and then that's when I found the scooters. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm about a mile from the arena. I don't, I don't need a ride. <laughs> well, how were the, uh, the dinosaur bones or museum or whatever you went to see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Museum of Nature and Science is about four miles from my hotel downtown. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's scootable. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where I was. Half an hour on the scooter. I just taking it over there, went to the museum, walked around. I think this is after a morning skate before a game. And it was fantastic. Denver's got a great museum. The dinosaur bones were awesome. Bought a T-shirt. You know, enjoying a day of the arts. Do you feel like you missed out because John Merrill is no longer a part of this team and he rode his little moped around to get to Golden Knights practice here in Vegas? I feel like he and I would have gotten along very well in this moment. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. An actual hockey question for you. What? What's the best way you would uh, explain how the Golden Knights have shut down Nathan McKinnon, McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche's top line? Well, I think the first thing is that they've uh, they changed up the, the defensive assignment. In game one, it was Carlson, Marshstone, Smith, and, and they got worked pretty good uh, by the McKinnon line. But then in game two, uh, they're like, okay, well, let's, let's get Stone, Pacioretty, and Stevenson out there. We can use Stevenson to match the speed of McKinnon a little bit. Stone's obviously a great defensive player with his Selkie finalist, um, and it worked. It worked in game two. I think um, Colorado wasn't too worried about matching lines or anything like that. But then in game three and four, when Vegas was at home and had the last change, they got that zone line out there as often as they could against McKinnon and shut him down. So I think we're going to see Colorado in game five tomorrow. Uh, they've got the last change at home. I would imagine they try to keep McKinnon away from that stone line a little bit. Um, and they're going to try to get some offense out of them because that line hasn't scored at five on five since game one. Uh, they had eight points in game one. I think they combined. I think they've got four points in the last two games or last three games combined, and they were all on the power play. So that's been a big part of it. Uh, Colorado really also likes to – I wrote about this in my story last night. They like to carry the puck into the zone. They don't like to dump and chase. And Vegas made that very difficult for them. They kind of created a bit of a wall at the blue line. And, and if Colorado wasn't willing to chip it around them, they were just running into them, losing the puck, and then Vegas was able to grab it and, and kind of counter. And a couple of their goals last night came off a rush off those those exact kind of plays. So uh, game plan for Vegas has been working spectacularly for the last couple of games, and they got rewarded last night with a big blowout win. Yeah, I know uh, the fourth line, Patrick Brown, gets the uh, goal that was reviewed ten times, but before the game, kind of some narratives was, would you put Ryan Reeves back in there? Nick Holden's been playing well. Like, obviously he pushed the right buttons. They won 5-1, to one, but before the game, were you wondering what he would do with Reeves coming back? Uh, no, uh, just because the way that they've played, I mean, since Pete board has been here, he's been a very big Ryan Reeves fan. I don't think there was any question that Ryan Reeves was going back into the lineup, regardless of how the fourth line had been playing. I mean, they they believe in him in, that, in the locker room for sure. So there was, there was no question that he was he was going back in. The uh, the Nick Holden one surprised me a little bit more. Uh, Braden McNabb hadn't played in about 
what was it, 10 days now or so, I think since game four of the Minnesota series. So getting him right back in there and defending uh, a fast team did surprise me a little bit with no practice time. And the fact that he went in and Holden came out instead of maybe Nick Haig coming out the way that Holden's played surprised me a little bit. But obviously, like you said, he pushed the right buttons. It worked. And uh, just another reason why he's the coach of an NHL team, and I am not. Reeves not being in the lineup might not have been surprising, but Ryan Reeves in the fourth line not starting the game has to be a massive shock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he loves starting the fourth line, and he's talked about it. We've asked him about it uh, plenty of times, and uh, he likes to talk about them dragging him into the game is, is, is the phrase that he used last year. And, uh, no, they went with the uh, Pacioretty-Stevenson stone line uh, to start the game and had a dangerous scoring chance 12 seconds. Up. So I think that's, uh, that was the right call. <laughs> So Ryan Reeves will start game five in Colorado is what you're saying. I mean, they've started McKinnon every lot, every, every game. Um, and on the road, the, the road team picks their starters first and then the home team gets to, gets to respond to that. So, uh, last night they saw, okay, they're starting McKinnon. Let's start stone's line. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow night, DeBoer gets to go first and, uh, we'll see. I mean, you can probably know that they're going to start McKinnon's line because, uh, doesn't take doesn't take a genius to realize that that line's probably going to be on the ice as much as possible. So I guess we'll see who starts. In the end, it rarely matters who starts. It's just something that we can talk and complain about. You have the liking of Jared Bednar uh, saying the Misfits line does not get enough credit. Everyone's always talking about the Stone line, but uh, the Carlson line's been uh, as good or better. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't hear him say that, but that's, I mean, that's interesting because I think um, that's probably something that might be more outside of the the Vegas bubble that we live in because I mean we look at that and DeBoer called that misfit line the identity of the team that was the team that carried him to the cup final and even if that stone patch ready Stevens line is the top line I don't think I don't think anybody here in Vegas has underrated that Carlson Smith Marshall line I mean they've been they've been clicking together for four years now so um I don't know maybe that's something that's uh that's just uh, outside of our Little Vegas bubble if, if people think that that line is, is a little underrated because I think we all we all rate it properly here. Uh, true or false, you would throw your hat during a hat trick? No. How's that expensive, man? Like, I, <laughs> what, what's, that, what, what's a hat? Like, 30 bucks, right? Like, and you're just going to chuck it under the ice for nothing? Like, it's cool. Like, I get it. But uh, I, I tweeted that last night that I wouldn't throw my hat, and I got, like, 20 replies. It's like, that's why you got to bring a burner hat. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. You walk around with an extra yeah. hat on me just in, just in case, you know? And it's the people in the burner upper deck, hat? too, right? Like, maybe maybe if I'm sitting in, like, the first row or something and my hat can actually reach the ice, we're in the press box, and there's people right underneath me chucking their hat. It's just going to end up in the what? It's just gonna end up in the lower bowl. Like, what are you doing? You're not No way I'd chuck a hat. Would you? Wait, wait. No chance. No one in the press box threw their hat, right? No, 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 no. Not that people I saw, in the but section right under. Okay, because no, we need but... to mock those people. No, but I don't. Would you, well, Tyler? I... I would never throw a hat. Probably not. But I don't know. I've never watched like if Christian Pulisic scored a hat trick to beat Mexico, I might throw my hat on the field. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it might happen. Um, all right, Justin, get out of here. Thank um, you, Justin. Ask uh, Ask all Elaine right. if we were too mean to you. Yeah. See you in Denver. I definitely will. See you tonight, Eddie. See you, buddy. <laughs> Elaine said Elaine uh, Elaine Emerson on Twitter says we were too mean. Listen, Was she saying that? To be she she asked us not to bully him because he comes on here to get bullied. <laughs> because like he said, anytime he does something stupid in a press conference, I ask him to come on. But 
to be completely fair, I was not on the press conference at Morning Skate, and Justin texted me, were you on the press conference for Morning Skate? And I said, no, but now I can't wait to hear the recording of it. And then, so if he hadn't said anything, and he tweeted it out too, I might have never known, and he might okay. not have been on the so show today. so this is all his he fault. He brought it on himself This today. is all his fault. Yep, he this brought is, it on himself. This is also, how, how else is he going to learn? Can you play it again for us, Jared? You play, right, you play, right. As we go out, let's play this. All right, hold on. Next question this morning comes from Justin Emerson, the Las Vegas Sun. Hey, Mark, you guys have, have played pretty well over the last two games, came out with a win in one of them. So I guess how much of the game plan for game four is kind of stay the course and do what you've been doing, and how much of that is 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 knowing that, uh, that you guys do need uh, – I don't know. Sorry. I guess that how much um, that you, wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Spectacular. <laughs> Coming up next, the Clippers finally got through the Mavericks. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. I don't, nothing yet. You know, we've been in the playoffs twice since I'm there. Uh, we lost both times, so nothing yet, you know. Uh, you get paid to win, so we didn't do it. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Sad. Luca. I knew who it was. What was it? He was sad. He lost. You get paid to win, and we didn't do it. Does that kind of tell you when, like, um, Paul George and Kawhi are, like, Hugging him and whispering in his ear, and Luke has big smiles on faces. That Luke has no idea what's being said. <laughs> he just keeps smiling at people and hugging them. He's like the, he he I, smiles more than any like superstar I've ever seen in my life. He does nothing but smile. Wait, did you see? So after the game, Paul George went up to Luca and Paul yeah, George his jersey right? took his jersey yeah. off, and it looked like Paul George wanted to do a jersey swap, right. and Luca waved him off and said, "Nah." <laughs> I didn't. See, I saw Paul George take his jersey off. I just assumed he was giving Luca's jersey and was going to sign it like. Well, normally you sw- nowadays you swap like yeah two, like two like star players after the game or after a series they like someone swapped with Devin Booker yeah okay all right, right. you go up to him and, yeah. and you're like yeah well, I, I guess respect Luca did. your game take my Luca jersey. said no he like waved him off and said nah and wow walked away did Luke understand what was happening well I don't know that's yeah, 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 yeah Luca yeah. might be like boy this one guy, guy wants to get to the shower he's, I mean <laughs> he's got the jersey off within two seconds oh no yeah he guy takes his shirt off and he's like oh no 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 hugs no hugs <laughs> yeah. On the Mavericks, is Luca ever going to do anything there? Like, is he ever going to have help there? Because they thought they did. They thought they got Porzingis. They thought they got sort of that second guy to be a contender. I don't know if you anybody thought they'd actually be a title contender, but they thought they got that second guy, and Porzingis is useless. I don't know. I looked at Luca's contract yesterday during the game, and you forget how young Luca is, or, in ter- or well, you forget how you know many years he has left before even getting in the realm of a UFA. So I was thinking that I'm like. He's incredible. I don't know if he's ever going to go to the finals with the team or have a chance. Uh, Lord knows when the max comes up, when he's ready for the max, where that number's going to be. I don't think so, though. I looked at the roster and his contract. I'm like, he still has a lot of years there. Um, I don't think so. If you take LeBron out of the conversation, just take him out of the conversation, because I had this debate yesterday at the house, uh, who's the best player in the NBA? Take LeBron out. You just got to take him out. Steph Curry? Oh, I said Luka. I think I'd say Steph Curry. Really? Okay. I mean, Kevin Durant. Yeah. Well, we talked about him That's if he was true. completely healthy. Yeah. yeah, if, oh, he, yeah. if he's completely healthy, he's amazing. Kevin Durant four years ago. But Luca, 
just does stuff that you're like, he's, I mean, they're all great players, but he's did stuff in that series. Like, my goodness, that guy's good. Yeah. Jared's right. Like Kevin Durant and fully healthy. The answer's, the answer's Kevin Durant. He's okay. pretty unbelievable this year. Like I would have said Curry would have, would, I would have said he was probably the best player in the NBA. What if the Mavs go get Sabonis and Dario Saric with Porzingis and Luca and Boban? What are you building? The all like Eastern European team? Is that what you're going for with that? The 2021 FIBA World Championship. Team. I mean, I think Sabona and Dario Sarge are better defensively than anybody else the Mavericks have. Like that that's the biggest problem for the Mavericks. Like we focus so much on like the stars. The Clippers, or excuse me, the Mavericks were horrible defensively this year. Like, and they were bad last year too. They were, I think, 21st in defensive rating this year. Like, they're bad defensively. As great as Luca is, I think the stat was Luca had the most points created through points and assists in a game seven ever. And it didn't matter because they defensively can't get a stop. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. All right. That's the problem. That's the biggest problem. They've got to get better defensively to have any chance. Well, and then they've got to have the, let me ask you this. Do guys, do people want to play with Luca? Like the NBA is this whole star driven league and guys change teams and go team up and all this. Do people want to play with Luca? Like, is that a guy that people say, yes, I want to go team up with him to try to win a championship? Like, can he draw anybody to Dallas? Oh, I don't know if he can do more so than someone like Kawhi. I think Kawhi, you'd want to play. Like when yeah. Paul George came, I'd rather play with Kawhi. Now, there was a completely insane stat I heard going into game seven, which was maybe this is what you're referring to, that Luca had scored and assisted on 80% of their baskets, which is just completely stupid in terms of his numbers. I mean, he dominates the ball, obviously, but he also is really, really good. So I'm not sure. But the last few years, when when Paul George came, when Kawhi said, you get Paul George and I'm coming, like if I was Paul George at that point and Luca is now, I'd still want to play with Kawhi. What about like, well, I don't know if this would be a good match because they both have the ball in their hands all the time. But like Damian Lillard, let's say he says, I, I want out of Portland. Does Damian Lillard say... Let's go to Dallas. I, I don't think that's the first Luka. place to go. Yeah, I don't either. And I think that's that again is sort of the issue here is Luca's probably good enough that people should consider him. That, yeah, that you should say, yeah, let's go. I'm, let's. I let's mean, if be. I'm Damian Lillard, I want to go to the Lakers. Well, yeah, but but I mean, if that's where you go, yeah. I mean, you know, there's other teams I'd want to go to. I'd so want to go to the Warriors. I'm just fascinated to see because you know you say Luca might be the best in the league. He's certainly up there. Like he's certainly yeah. one of the most talented offensive players, the one of the best shot creators in the sport right now. But it feels like they've got no chance to win. No, despite that. I don't think they. Like, I don't think they're going to win despite, uh, even with him. Um, look at the playoffs every year. They might upset someone in the first round, but to get all the way to the finals, I just that team doesn't have enough. Clippers going to beat the Jazz. I bet the Jazz in Game One. After that, I'm not so sure. Um, I, it, it's funny because we had JVT on the show. Um, lead, going off the air yesterday, um, Van Gundy said this as well. He said the Clippers could win it all. There's still that sense that they're as good as anyone. I don't know if I completely believe it. Now, again, there are games like where they shot yesterday. Where like, they can beat anybody if they're going to shoot like that. But there are other games, where, as we saw in the series, where they don't shoot like that and they become very pedestrian. Um, so I'm going to say the Clippers because I haven't been total Jazz believers all year. But I think it goes like... I think it might go seven. I, I'll say the Clippers beat the Jazz. Jazz are the only team in the NBA that were top five in offensive rating and defensive rating in the NBA this season. They're they're good now. Oh, they're good, but that's a regular season stat. You see it in the NBA quite a bit where teams are different in the postseason because you get a specific matchup and you can take away certain things. But 
They're a really good three-point shooting team, and they got a lot of shooters. I think the Jazz win the series and get out of the West.